Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy. And Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing good, guys. Uh, man, it's, uh, it's a busy, busy time of year, getting ready to head down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, but uh, got the Super Bowl right around the corner. Still, uh, still busy. Yeah, in fact, we were talking a little bit about the the NFL and the matchups and everything. I know you're a big NFL guy. Just what do you what do you think of the AFC NFC title games, man? And uh, as far as maybe some people that you you like, as far as the favorites go. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think we've got the four best teams. So I, I you know I don't think there's a bad matchup in the mix. I, I think the TV networks they're probably rooting, you know, Eagles Chiefs to get the two best teams with the best records. You get Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. Uh, that's probably what they're rooting for, but you know, look, the Niners have a fantastic story riding, you know, the, the rookie Brock Purdy with all the elite pieces around him, and then of course Joey franchise Joe Burrow doing what he's doing with the Bengals is exciting. So yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I'd be lying. I'm, I'm an LSU guy, so I uh, I root for Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. Uh, there's a lot of LSU faithful that, that root for them, so kind of rooting for him um i won't be sad if mahomes is in there obviously he's, he's exciting to watch too so can't really go wrong go wrong with any of the matchups but to me you know the tv network probably want chiefs and, and eagles and i you know look from a betting perspective i don't even know like you know like if i bet on the eagles i'd be nervous as hell if i bet on the bengals i'd be nervous as hell those are the two favorites just going into this weekend so I think anything's up for grabs, but uh, like I said, my allegiance to, to Joey Franchise, he's already 3-0 and in his career against the Chiefs. Why not go ahead and make it 4-0? What do you think of Joe Burrow and the way he's played here recently? There's a lot of talk about he could be the best quarterback in the NFL. There's some recency bias that goes with that and maybe some overreacting to it, but he's definitely played well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's phenomenal what he's been able to do I, in such a short order of time. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a Dyer Saints fan, and we were kind of talking about it. Do you know in whatever it was, like 15 years that Sean Payton and Drew Brees were together in New Orleans, they only got to three NFC title games? Joe Burrow's been in the league three years. He's about to go to his second AFC title game. Like, this is rare. Like, this doesn't happen very often, and, and particularly to Cincinnati. You go back to their history. I mean, it's, it's been years and years and years since they've had this kind of success. So it, it's pretty unreal, man. I mean, we used to talk about the upper echelon of quarterbacks, and, you know, for the longest it was Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. You know, Drew Brees has come and gone, and, uh, you know, Peyton Manning and all those guys. But, you know, you start to talk about the elite is elite now. Mahomes is up there. But I think you've got to include Joe Burrow in that conversation now. What this guy's done in his first three years of the league is, is phenomenal. And, I mean, what was crazy to me was, you know, Josh Allen uh, and, and Buffalo being so out of sorts and Joe Burrow looking like he was playing in his backyard. I mean, it was snowing. It was cold. It was just – it was miserable conditions. And that guy played as cool as anybody last week. So, give him credit. And uh, I won't be surprised at all if he gets back to the Super Bowl. So, as far as the four teams, would you say – you just mentioned how, you know, good they are and they're all very high-quality ones. But who do you feel like has impressed you the most – not only so far this year, but just towards the end of the regular season and postseason of these four teams left? Yeah, it's got to be the 49ers. I mean, for them to do what they've been able to do with, with injuries at quarterback, like this is supposed to be Trey Lance's year that he was going to grab the, the, the bull by the horns and be that guy. Uh, you know, they end up uh, they, they were trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They ended up keeping him, and it turned out to be a great decision because 
You know, he played 11 games for him this year and, and won a lot of games. But Brock Purdy, the rookie out of Iowa State, really just, you know, taking over and, and, and just executing. I know they made the midseason trade for Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers. And lucky for them, he's been able to stay healthy and add that, that added run dynamic. But, man, it's just a team filled with pieces everywhere you look, from George Kittle to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and then that defense that Danico Ryan just has playing lights out. It's uh, it's been fun to watch. They're not like the sexiest team, but I think that's also a fun story to to, to watch. And look, if Brock Purdy leads this team and they win a Super Bowl, it's just going to ruin the whole landscape of you know you got to have an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think Brock Purdy jumps into that category of the Joe Flacco's and the Trent Dilfer's of guys like, oh my God, how did that guy win a Super Bowl? So. Uh, that, that's a fun story to watch, too. Yeah, and then with the Niners, their defense, it seems to be on another level. And you mentioned D'Amico Ryans. He's a guy that down your way with the Texans, he's getting some looks at possibly being a head coach there. And he's a guy that he did a, a few interviews, and then he canceled the other couple of interviews simply because he wanted to concentrate on the Niners and what they have going on right now. But he's a guy that looks like he's on track with – the way that defense has played the past couple of years and the direction they're in, he's on, in line to get a head coaching job somewhere next season. Yeah, and he interviewed for some jobs last offseason. And I remember talking, I talked with Robert Sala at the Senior Bowl last year, and he was like, D'Amico is going to be a rock star. Like, he's going to be a, a, you know, whoever gets him is getting a home run hire. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't get any jobs a year ago. You know, came back as the DC for the Niners and killed it again this year. So, I think he's going to get one of these jobs. I know it's weird. Like the Texans, you know, they've had a debacle of pick coaches the last few years. But, like, you ask anybody who's a Houston Texans fan, they want D'Amico Ryan. The problem is the guy doing the higher end, the GM, is Nick Casario from New England, and he just marches to the beat of his own drum. You know, he's not going to kowtow to what the fans want and all that. He's just going to hire who he thinks is best for the job. So it's just a weird dynamic because, you know, you, you bring the prodigal son home, I think even the ownership of the Texans might say he's the best guy for the job. But when you have a GM that has no ties to that city or to him, you know, it doesn't really, you know, he's just going to hire whoever he wants. So it's going to be fascinating to see all this play out. I was told today that, that uh, Sean Payton kind of pulled the Texans off the record uh, that he's out of the running there, that he's not interested in coming to Houston. So uh, it sounded more and more like if Sean Payton is going to coach this coming year, it's going to be with the Denver Broncos uh, if they can get everything worked out. But, you know, I was also told yesterday if they're not able to get the details ironed out, the Sean Payton is perfectly fine with going back to Fox and doing TV for another year, and they'll revisit getting back into coaching again next year. So it's kind of interesting to follow all the the track of all these uh, job openings. But uh, for the Texans, I mean, they've got a very attractive spot. They've got two top twelve picks, number uh, pick two and pick twelve in this draft. So you would think you'd get your franchise quarterback, whether it's Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, with the number two pick, and maybe turn this thing around. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start to see some dominoes fall, I think, next week with some of these coaches getting hired. Speaking of Nick Casario, a lot of times with GMs, you see that they're tied to a coach that they hired, and uh, you see those coaches and GMs come in and out together. Nick Casario is about to hire another coach after firing a couple of coaches in back-to-back seasons. How is he still employed as the GM? What's what's the talk there as far as around the Texans and Nick Casario? Well, I think the, the, the emphasis now is on getting this right. I think everybody kind of reads between the lines and sees what it was two years ago when they hired David Culley, who had never been a coordinator before, just a wide receivers coach, lifelong wide receivers coach. 
I, I think, you know, they, they sold it as they were trying to get, uh, you know, get uh, Deshaun Watson to buy back in. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson had said at the time he wanted to play for a black head coach. You know, they, they hired David Culley, and Deshaun Watson turned around and looked at him and said, no, not that guy. So I think they kind of failed on that front. On, on the second level of that hire, I think they thought, you know, if you guys ever saw the movie or the musical, The Producers, you know, where you can make more money with a flop than with a hit. I think they were personally trying to tank. Like, I, I thought they were intentionally trying to bottom out, get a top five pick, and start to get some players in here. And uh, that was mission accomplished. It worked. They had the third overall pick last year. They took Derek Stingley out of LSU. And then this past year, they wanted to go a different route. They were going to hire Josh McCown, former quarterback who had never coached a day in his life. Uh, but, you know, they, they were really high on him and wanted to give him the job. Well, that came right on the heels with the Brian Flores lawsuit. And they kind of looked around and said, well, this would be a really bad look when, you know, he, Brian Flores is alleging, you know, black coaches are not getting real opportunities. We just fired a black coach after one year, and now we're going to give it to a white quarterback who's never coached a day in his life. So they kind of looked around the room and went, hey, Levy Smith here is our D.C. Let's just promote him. And so that's kind of what they did there. Look, not saying it's right, not defending them by any means. It's just been a debacle. And so now, okay, we did the Cully experiment. We did the Lobby Smith experiment. Now you got to get it right. Now you got to go hire a real head coach, a guy who's going to be here for the next four to five years and build this thing up. So that's where I think it's, the pressure is on them to get it right. But, yeah, if Nick Cicero misses on this one, man, I, I'd like to apply for GM and make $6 million a year if this <laughs> is how he's going through the hiring process. So the other part of that, you mentioned Deshaun Watson there. Deshaun Watson made it clear and made it known his feelings about Nick Casario, he, he didn't like him, and he wanted him out when he was there. And that's why he didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah, it was funny. Everybody forgets, like, that. that's what it started with. It started with he wasn't a fan of the GM hire. He wasn't a fan of a guy named Jack Easterby that was in the building that had his hand in a lot of different pots. And then after that, after he had already demanded a trade out of Houston, then all the massage stuff came out. And then the Texans kind of looked at him, and they were like, well, we don't want you either. So – that's kind of how the timeline of all that stuff went down. But, man, if you watch Deshaun in the limited sample size, once he got back in there with the Cleveland Browns this year, it was not pretty for a guy who was one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in all the NFL. So going to be a lot of pressure on him next year to turn things around. But I, I think, honestly, that's a deal. Like, if Deshaun looks bad next year, I think we're going to start to see a little bit of the quarterback market start to slow down in terms of making these guys the highest-paid players in the league. Like, Maybe, you know, somebody said this, this offseason, oh, my God, well, the, the Giants made a mistake not giving Daniel Jones the fifth-year option. Like, they're going to have to pay him big. And I said, that's who? I, I would turn to Daniel Jones and go, hey, here's what I think you're worth. If you can get better than that, great. Go hit the open market. But, like, we need to stop trying to one-up everybody and be like, well, let's make him the highest paid. No, stop. Pump the brakes. It's okay to pay a guy reasonable amount of money without making him the highest paid at his position. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Chris, since we're talking about Houston, just uh, what do you think as far as the draft and maybe some signings? Like, just what's the what's the moves that they need to make or can make realistically coming up this offseason and trying to rebuild this team back to at least being playoff contention? Well, I think the first question is: Are you going to go? Are you going to go rebuild with a quarterback at, with the second overall pick, or is there a veteran out there? And there's been some smoke with with Derek Carr. Um, you know, obviously his brother Derek uh, David Carr was drafted by the Texans back in the day and got his butt beat. But uh, I think there's a there's a viable path to 
you know, trading for Derek Carr, building around him and using all these high draft picks on pieces to surround him. But I, I don't think that's the path they're going to go. I think they're going to go franchise quarterback. Me, personally, I like Bryce Young. Everybody wants to complain about, oh, he's six feet tall. So what? The dude can play. Uh, if you watch him at Alabama, he makes the anticipatory throws. He throws guys open. Doesn't even have to see it over the offensive line. It doesn't matter. He's got the feel for the game. So uh, I like Bryce Young. I know a lot of people were, you know, fell in love with C.J. Stroud. And look, the last time we saw C.J. Stroud, he was torching Georgia's elite secondary. So, um, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with Stroud either if that's your guy. There's been a lot of hype for Will Levis out of Kentucky. I, I just, I like Will Levis. I've interviewed him a handful of times. You, you know, I think he's going to go up to the combine. Scouts are going to fall in love with him. That said, I'm not taking him top five. I just don't think he's that level of quarterback. You know, I, I, I could see him going back into the first with Anthony Richardson and being a draft and stash guy, a guy that you, you know, sit, sit for a year and let him develop and, uh, you know, adjust to the, to the next level of the NFL. But, man, I keep seeing mock drafts that will love us going number one or number two overall, and I just don't understand it. But um, we're going to see that over the next couple of months. But just to answer your question, I think, you know, if I could pick it right now, if I was drafting for the Texans, I would take Bryce Young number two overall, and I would take Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, 12th overall, and get a big, big weapon for him. And another wrinkle that would help out with Bryce Young as well is John Mechie, his big stud receiver from Alabama a year ago. The Texans drafted him, uh, you know, had some cancer treatment this year that, that made him sit out of the league for a year. But sounds like he's going to be back healthy and ready to go for next year. So already a weapon that Bryce Young has chemistry with. So that's the path I would go. We'll see how this thing uh, starts to play out. But you know, I think we saw a trailing Burks this year. Um, you know, you can get a big, nice, speedy wide receiver like Quentin Johnston in here, and he can make an impact from day one. Who are some of the players on your radar at the Senior Bowl? What kinds of things do you look for? It's been said that it's more about the practices than the actual game. And so uh, there's a lot to be determined there to see which players are going to boost their draft stocks moving forward. Yeah, the Senior Bowl is just so awesome, guys. I mean, getting to go there the last couple of years and you get to see these players in person. And it's guys we've watched on Saturdays. You know, all across the league, um, you know, I have my eye on a lot of the SEC players and, and just seeing these guys firsthand. I mean, last year I was there and I watched Damian Pierce make some cuts and I was like, my God, like, what did I, what did I miss? I didn't see that on, on the field at Florida, but this kid, you know, looks like the real deal. Lo and behold, the Texans get him. I think it was in the fourth round. And, you know, if he didn't get hurt this year, he probably would have beaten Kenneth Walker out for, for best rookie running back in the league this year. He had over 900 rushing yards. So, you know, that was fun to watch. Big John Ridgeway from Arkansas. I got to see him in person last year. And a, and a couple scouts kind of oohed and odd when they saw him. And you know, he had some great moments this year for the Colts. So, it's uh, Senior Bowl is fun, man. There, there's always going to be some guys that will turn some heads. Interested to see some of the, uh, the the Tennessee and Alabama players that are going to be there. I know uh, Hendon Booker has just announced he's going to be there now. I don't know how much he's going to do because, you know, he's kind of limited with the knee injury. But, Excited to maybe talk with him. And there was a rumor yesterday that maybe Stetson Bennett could be uh, coming as a late invitee as well. So be curious to see how he uh, responds. Because so many people look at him and say, oh, great college quarterback. Probably can't cut it in the pros. But when you look at what Brock Purdy's doing this year, I, I don't see any reason why Stetson Bennett can't do that at the next level. So it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. I'm interested to see uh, what a lot of these SEC guys are going to look like next week at the Senior Bowl. Well, Chris, uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about college football because a guy that you're very familiar with, Bill O'Brien, is no longer the OC there at Alabama. So they're looking for a new DC and a new OC. We know that, you know, Bama's always going to be the creme de la creme of college football, but 
what do you think they do or what? who do you think they look at as far as possibly bringing in to take over Alabama in both coordinator positions? Yeah, I've heard a lot of different names. Um, you know, I think if, if Bama fans could pick their guy, you know, Jim Leonard has been uh, lights out at, at Wisconsin the last couple of years with their D.C. I think, you know, a lot of Alabama fans will like that. I think Jeremy Pruitt makes a lot of sense just from, you know, a guy who's been there, done that, worked for Saban before and had elite defenses at Alabama. Um, you know, OC, is you can kind of go any different way. I know Dan Mullen kind of said yesterday he was taking his name out of hat. He doesn't really want to get back into coaching at this point. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is the guy that a lot of people have tabbed. You know, he just went off to Thailand with his girlfriend and posting Instagram pictures and all that. So, uh, he's living it up, but I'm sure if David texted him and said, hey, you want to come be my OC, I'm sure he would jump at that opportunity. There's some other names like Jeff Scott, who you know used to be at, uh, at Clemson and you know uh, called plays there. I think he, he'd be a nice play caller. Jeff Levy, that was just an Ole Miss, and, and now at Oklahoma, I think he would jump to, to team up with Saban at Alabama. And one name I threw out there that I think would make a lot of sense is Joe Brady. If you remember back in 2019 was – the creme de la creme that helped Joe Burrow have that special season at LSU and you know got fired as the Carolina Panthers OC but I you know he's been with Buffalo as their quarterback coach and Josh Allen's been looking pretty good there so I think that would be an interesting one you know I, I think Saban really can't go wrong I mean it's, it's been a revolving door at OC and DC for him in recent years and it seems to it doesn't seem to matter who he has in there uh you know battle fans will tell you that Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien weren't all that good but, my God, they were still, like, top 20 offenses and defenses. I know Bama fans have higher expectations. They said, no, we need to be a top five defense. I get it, but a top 20 defense is still pretty elite, still pretty good. And, you know, let's not discredit. Bill O'Brien is the first OC to ever have a Heisman-winning quarterback at Alabama and Bryce Young. So, uh, I think those guys did well. But I just I look at it and say, man, whoever Alabama hires, the guy's going to be good, right? I mean, it's it's just – They've shown time and time again they can replace guys, and it just doesn't seem to matter because all the four- or five-star talent with Nick Saban at the helm, I think you, I think the three of us could go in there and be the OC of DC. We probably win games there. I have a hard time believing that you believe that Chad Morris could step <laughs> into that spot and make it work. Well, I, let's, let's be honest about this, Chris. Let's not get crazy. Right. Yeah, Chad Morris is probably the one guy I would not hire. <laughs> Brett Bielema could probably do something with that defense, but I would not hire Chad Moore. No, right no, I don't think uh, anybody wants to go down that road ever again. So, But, hey, Chris, man, it was good talking with you. Appreciate you coming on. Have a great weekend. Enjoy these football games, man. We'll catch up with you later, all right? Thanks, guys. Tell those hogs on the basketball court. They got a good thing going here. They're losing me money every night.